Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All aboard! Always wanted to say that out loud. Welcome aboard, everybody, for the journey of a lifetime. We're going to step into the realm of the unknown where supernatural secrets and spine-tingling stories reign. From the mysterious Devil's Tramping Ground to the ghost train that roams in the dead of night. That explains the old board. This is an expedition like no other. So buckle up and get ready to hear some tales that will spark your curiosity and unleash your imagination. Ahoy! All ye seekers of the sinister and strange, why am I talking like a pirate that has nothing to do with trains, but you know what? I'm having a good time. It's time to explore the wondrous world of North Carolina folklore. Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. And this is Haunted American History.
Lurking in the dark corners of Chatham County, North Carolina, lies a place that has been forgotten by time, the Devil's Tramping Ground. Those who dare to venture into this eerie circle of land find nothing but darkness and despair. Many claim to have seen strange lights moving between trees and heard faint sound of hooves clashing against the ground. But those are only stories. Stories passed down from generation to generation on long, cold nights around blazing campfires. They say that the devil himself is the one who created this mysterious 40-foot diameter clearing in the woods near Harper's Crossroads. No grass grows here. No birds build their nests among its trees. And animals refuse to cross this patch of unholy ground. It is believed that with each visit from the devil, he brings frightening evils with him, trampling it upon the earth with his fiery hooves. People say that this legend is as old as Chatham County itself. Stories going back hundreds of years paint a picture of terror for those brave enough to pass through its gates. Journalist John William Harding once wrote that the devil goes there to walk in circles as he thinks up new means of causing trouble for humanity. There, sometimes during the dark of night, the majesty of the underworld of evil silently tramples around in a bare circle, thinking, plotting, and planning against good, and in the behalf of wrong. So we know what locals and a journalist has to say about the Devil's Tramping Ground, but what does science have to say about the Devil's Tramping Ground? Well, Rich Hayes, a soil scientist from Chatham County, was intrigued by this barren circle and sought out a logical explanation. He compared the soil inside the circle to that of the soil outside, but couldn't find any reason why vegetation wouldn't grow inside. The sodium, copper, zinc, and pH levels were slightly higher than the surrounding area, but not enough to be toxic. What's curious, though, is that a compass, when held near soil that has a high iron content, will shift about 5 degrees. Yet this soil has none, and it still doesn't. Could an unseen energy be preventing animals from crossing the Devil's Tramping Ground and be messing with the compasses? Harry Davis from the North Carolina State Museum claimed it was the salt in the soil that would prevent plants from growing. But investigations have remained inconclusive. So what could really be behind this strange circular barren patch of land? The Devil's Tramping Ground's odd encounters have aroused curiosity. Objects left on the ground overnight have been known to disappear. And some who stayed overnight were said to go insane afterwards. And it's only speculation of what these brave souls have seen while they spent their night. Tales have been told of campers being put to sleep by a soft, peaceful melody, only to be woken up miles away. Others don't necessarily believe that the devil had something to do with this circle. Some say that Native Americans used it as a place to celebrate victories in war or hunting. According to T. Jensen Lacey, who wrote the book Amazing North Carolina, a tale exists of two warring tribes fighting here, with Chief Croatoan being killed in the fray and buried in the circle long before his people moved to the coast. There, they met with the surviving members of the lost colony and agreed to join forces with them, explaining why the word Croatoan 
was carved on that famous tree in Roanoke. They say the Great Spirit has kept bare the circle around the grave, down through the years in mourning for the loss of a faithful chief and great leader. Myths of the Devil's Tramping Ground have been whispered in hushed tones by locals for centuries. Most were probably made up. But who knows what secrets lurk there? And what could be causing the barren circle remains a mystery to this day. The only way to discover the truth about the Devil's Tramping Ground is to take the plunge and go there yourself. It'd be worth the risk, wouldn't it? Don't do that, though. It's private property. During the night of November 20th, 1901, Ella M. Cropsey, also known as Nell by her friends and family, disappeared from her Elizabeth City home. Her body was discovered floating in the Pasquotank River 37 days later. Although a man was convicted for her murder, many questions remain about her death. Some claim that her uneasy spirit still haunts her Elizabeth City home today. Young Nell Cropsey was a beautiful young woman from a wealthy family who soon attracted the attention of suitors in her new home in Elizabeth City. There was a local man named Jim Wilcox who began courting Nell. In the months leading up to her disappearance, Wilcox and Cropsey were dating for nearly three years, and Nell was growing impatient with Jim Wilcox's reluctance to propose marriage. To spur Wilcox into proposing, Nell began flirting with other men in public. However, her plan appeared to have backfired. On November 20th, 1901, Cropsey and Wilcox engaged in a heated argument that could be heard throughout the entire household. Although the exact words exchanged were incomprehensible, Nell's family members who were present claimed that she and Wilcox had reconciled by the end of the evening. Nonetheless, the outcome of their relationship on that fateful night remains unknown. Sadly, when Nell Cropsey stepped out of the house with Wilcox around 11 o'clock that night, it was the last time that anyone saw her alive. As soon as Jim Wilcox left, Ollie Cropsey heard something bang against the back of the house. When she went out to investigate, she found that the screen door had been broken. It is unknown of who or what had broken the door. While Ollie Cropsey searched for Nell's in bed, she found her sister's room empty. Uneasy about her sister's absence, she returned to her own room and slept. In the aftermath of this, a neighbor awoke the entire house. The neighbor yelled that someone was trying to steal the Cropsey's pig. The whole family ran downstairs, only to discover that the front door was wide open. In the morning, the entire family discovered that Nell was not there. Jim Wilcox's umbrella, a gift from Nell, stood inside the door, and no one had noticed it earlier that night. Nell Cropsey was still missing the next morning, so the police were summoned and the entire town searched in earnest, but she was nowhere to be found. Wilcox was arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and held in the local jail after police suspected that he was responsible for Nell's disappearance. On the night of December 27th, more than a month after Nell disappeared, Wilcox remained in jail and the family was in limbo. After sending some boatmen out to investigate, Mrs. Cropsey realized her long vigil was over. Her daughter's body was floating in the Pasquotank River. 
One of the most astonishing incidents in this case involved a letter with a New York postmark received by the family a few days before Nell's body was found. The letter purported to provide a detailed account of what happened on the night of her disappearance. According to the letter, Nell had caught a transient attempting to steal their pig. In response, he struck her unconscious with a heavy stick and then carried her to the river where he used a nearby boat to dispose of her in the Pesquotank. The letter even included a map marking the spot where Nell's body would be discovered, which ended up being very close to where it was actually found. Unfortunately, the sender of this letter and the truthfulness of its contents remain a mystery to this day. Following the discovery of Cropsey's body, the town went mad. A lynch mob surrounded the jail and demanded Wilcox be released. Nell's parents refused to join the mob and pleaded with the crowd to let justice be served by the courts. Eventually, Governor Acock sent in a small naval reserve group to disperse the crowd. It took Wilcox two trials to prove Cropsey's murder. At the first trial, Wilcox was found guilty, but the North Carolina Supreme Court declared a mistrial and overturned his conviction. In his second trial, Wilcox was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 30 years in prison. He did not take the stand in either trial. Wilcox was pardoned by Governor Thomas Bickett in 1920. He maintained his innocence until the end of his life. Wilcox revealed everything he knew about the murder to W.O. Saunders, editor of the Elizabeth City newspaper, shortly before he died in 1932. He was convinced Wilcox was innocent and planned to publish the full details following the interview. Two weeks after that interview, Jim Wilcox committed suicide. Saunders died shortly after in a car accident, so whatever Wilcox said would no longer be heard by Saunders. Lights have turned on and off by themselves, doors have opened and closed to their own accord, and strange gusts of cold air have moved through the Cropsey home over the past century. The pale figure of a young woman has also been seen moving through the house. Many people passing by on the street outside have reported seeing a ghostly figure of a girl looking out of an upstairs window. At night, Nell Cropsey's ghostly figure has appeared in residents' bedrooms. Is the unfortunate victim of one of North Carolina's most famous and sensational murder cases still wandering through her home in Elizabeth City? Can the true facts about Nell Cropsey's murder ever be revealed? The Cropsey House has become part of Elizabeth City's living history, and a visit to the quiet coastal town is incomplete without a stroll by it. At 1901 Riverside Drive, the Cropsey home is a private residence, but it occasionally opens to the public on special occasions, such as the Elizabeth City Annual Ghost Walk. So if you're interested, and you find yourself in Elizabeth City, Stop on by, and maybe Nell will say hi. A lone shack deep in the piney woods where the Noose River spills into the Pamlico Sound was a refuge for an old woman and her only son. The old woman was blind, and she depended upon her boy to guide her through life. Every day, the son would go out and throw his nets into the briny river water to pull up fish and shrimp and crabs. He would pull clams from the mud. He would gather berries from the woods and snare rabbits in his traps. 
This way, they kept themselves fed and happy despite their isolation. The old woman hardly ever walked much further than the front door of her shack. She guided herself around with a long old stick, which she would tap on the ground to feel her way toward familiar things and places. And whenever she needed anything, she would say in her soft, creaky voice, Where are you, my son? No matter how softly she spoke and how far away the boy was, he would always seem to hear her and come to her side. The sound of her words carried through their small home like a nursery rhyme that echoed in the ears throughout each day. Whenever the old woman wanted more logs on the fire, she'd call out in her creaky voice, Where are you, my son? And the boy would be there, tending to it. If she had been lonely and wanted his hand, she would only have to say, Where are you, my son? And he would come and hold her hand. Then one day, after the boy had gone down to the river, he did not return home. The rain was unrelenting, and the river waters were overflowing with fast-moving currents. When the boy went down by the riverbank, the ground gave way and he fell in. He was pulled into the strong current and swept away into the sound, never to be seen again. The old woman waited in vain at home, calling for her son again and again, but he wouldn't come. So in desperation, she picked up her stick and ventured out in search of him. She tapped her long stick on the ground before her as she walked into the rain, calling out, Where are you, my son? Where are you, my son? A few weeks later, her body was discovered close to the riverbank. Whether she had gotten lost or been struck with desolation and died as she called out for her son is unknown. The poor woman and her son had been forgotten by their town until one day, ethereal voices rose from a forested area where they once lived. It was an old, creaky voice with a sad plea of, Where are you, my son? People also heard a tapping sound on their floors and felt a hand lightly shaking their beds accompanied by the same whisper. Where are you, my son? The townsfolk erected Camp Seagull nearby in hopes of providing solace to the ghostly figure, but no answers never came. Camp Seagull is abound with tales about what would happen if any child were to answer that plaintive call. At night, when the darkness has swallowed all life and shadows encompass the cabins, some boys have reported hearing a subtle tapping moving from the bed and feeling a hand trembling on their bed frame as the creaky voice murmurs, Where are you, my son? There are two rumors about the old creaky voice of Camp Seagull. One is that if you respond to the voice, you will be freeing the lost soul from its eternal restlessness. The other is that you will join the mother and take the place of the son. Is there anyone out there brave enough to answer the old woman's question? So far, the answer is no. Hey folks, I hope everybody had a great Halloween and Halloween season. It was pretty good for me. I took, uh, as you can tell that, uh, 
We're almost in Thanksgiving, and I haven't put an episode out in November. I took a little break. Took my family on a wonderful, well-deserved vacation, and we took my daughter uh, to Disney World. And she completely lost her mind, all the characters and the colors and everything. And I could see why people go into bankruptcy to try to take their children to this place because me and my wife, you know, we visited a lot. I think I've mentioned it on the on the show before that we're big theme park people and we go to theme parks a lot and we go you know, visit Disney World a lot. But this was the first time bringing a child. And boy, oh boy, is that a different experience. She was fantastic. She, She's so good. And she loved every second of it. And, you know, it was... We were at a dinner one night and doing with, like, one of those character dinners where the kids are, you know, Snow White was there and the dwarves. And as soon as Dopey came walking out and walked past the table, her eyes lit up. And she she's only saying a couple words. She's saying, like, Mama, Dad, Dad. And she says that when she wants something. So her whole presence lit up. And she just pointed just that, that, that. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And now it's like, all right, well, now every dollar I have will have to go to taking her to Disney World so I can see that again. Anyway, just letting you guys know what I was uh, talking about, where I've been. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody for uh, still getting great reviews on Apple and Spotify. Even with the hiatus of a new episode not coming out, you people have still been reaching out to me. And I can't be more grateful with the emails and voicemails and reviews and the new members of the Patreon. You guys will get a shout at the, in the end credits, but thank you. But speaking of Patreon, I've made an announcement on my Patreon about an update, but the update is kind of weak because I was going to change my Patreon instead of monthly do an annual subscription, but apparently you can't do an annual subscription until you have X amount of members. And I guess I haven't reached that number yet for, you have to, it has to be like two months or whatever of a certain amount of members. So if you're interested in joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash Haunted American History, we have early releases and um, ad-free episodes. And yeah, just throw in a couple little things here and there. But the big announcement is what I want to do with the Patreon is once I'm able to do with annual subscription, I'm going to open it to a limited number of people. And it's going to be the annual subscription cost. So for the whole year, you'll get the Patreon. But plus... It's, I've decided I am going ahead to write the Zachary Bain book. And however many people that I opened it up to, 200, 250 people, all of you will be the first people to receive the first edition, personalized thank you copy of the book once it's complete. That's the big, my big Patreon news. So if you'd like to join the Patreon, I gave all the info there. But yeah, that's what I'm working on now. And I would not be able to even make that announcement or to say I'm working on this story as a book without all of you. Without all of your kind words, without all of your feedback of the story. And the sixth episode of the finale of Zach Bain is coming in the next couple of weeks. That's a promise. As I said, if I don't keep that promise, I'm quitting. And I don't want to quit. But anyway, yeah, that's what's going on. So thank you all so much. Um, again, thank you for reaching out. And if you want to leave another review on something, 
on an episode on Spotify or on Apple or share this podcast with your friends and be like, hey, check this guy out. We like him. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you all so much. And uh, there's going to be a couple more announcements coming soon with other things. More stuff coming to YouTube. Um, essentially, it's going to be me doing this show on YouTube, but video format, things like that. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube yet, head over to the YouTube channel and hit its uh, new videos are going to be uploaded very soon, probably within the new year, maybe a little bit before I might do like a Christmas episode. But anyway, I've been rambling for so long and uh, thank you all so much. And uh, let's keep going with North Carolina. Thanks, folks. Later. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part? is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Located just west of Statesville, Bostonians Bridge crosses Third Creek with a 60-foot-high arch bridge made of brick and stone. A passenger train left Salisbury headed for Asheville on August 27, 1891, on the Western North Carolina Railroad. As the train approached Bostonians Bridge at 3 a.m., the passengers were asleep. As the train crossed the bridge, it somehow left the tracks and plunged into the creek. 22 people were killed from the fall or from drowning. No cause has been determined for the wreck. There is a legend surrounding the wreck. People tell the following story. 50 years later, very early in the morning on August 27, 1941, a woman waited along the road near the railroad tracks near Statesville. Her husband had gone to get help for their car when they got a flat tire. A train whistle echoed in the distance. 
As the engine approached, a headlight swept through the trees along the track. In front of the train, she saw a massive bridge. She heard a terrible crash as the engine began to cross it. The old-fashioned wooden passenger car splintered into pieces as the train plunged off the bridge and piled into a jagged mound below. Her ears were filled with the screams and groans as she ran across the road and through the field to the side of the creek. The sight was even more frightening up close. The engine, its tender, the passenger cars, they were all formed into a twisted mass of wreckage being flooded by the waters of Third Creek. A car pulled up behind her and the woman ran across the field screaming that a train wreck had just occurred. Her husband was in the car with a stranger the man who owned the county store down the road. The three of them walked back across the field and looked down into the waters, but there was no wreck there. Naturally, the men assumed the woman had dozed off and imagined the entire ordeal. Yet, upon resuming their journey, she insisted her husband make a stop at Statesville train station to inquire about any accidents. As they approached the ticket window, the station agent glanced up from his duties and remarked, How strange of you to ask. There were no reports of a train wreck last night. However, exactly 50 years ago today, there was a terrible crash at the bridge. At this revelation, the woman shrieked and lost consciousness. She recognized that she had just witnessed the ghost train. The ghost train brings people out from far and wide to try and catch a glimpse. But I plead with you all, please be careful. From the pages of the Charlotte Observer, August 28th, 2010. Names have been changed by me to protect the privacy of those involved. A man who was waiting with several friends for the legendary North Carolina ghost train was killed when a real train came down the tracks. Clarence Smith, 29 of Charlotte, was waiting around with a dozen friends on a railway bridge when the three engines and one wagon rounded the bend. The terrified amateur ghost watchers had to run 150 feet for their lives. All but two made it. According to CNN, Clarence Smith, 29 of Charlotte, was struck and killed about 2.45 a.m. on Friday. A woman who witnesses say Smith pushed to safety fell about 30 to 40 feet from the trestle and was injured. She was being treated at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte. There was no way out, Campbell told CNN. They almost made it. The engineer of the train, which was traveling at its customary 35 to 45 miles per hour, hit the horn and stopped as fast as he could. Smith and his friends were hoping to witness the ghost train from the accident on August 27, 1891. A passenger train jumped the tracks on the tall bridge near Statesville, North Carolina, sending seven rail cars below and killed about 30 people. On the wreck's anniversary, it is said the sounds of the screeching wheels, screaming passengers, and crash can still be heard. It is also claimed that people have seen uniformed men with a gold watch walking around the creek. Campbell, 38, is from the area and has heard all the stories although he said he knows of no one who has ever seen or heard of the ghost train. On the 50th anniversary of the incident, a woman said she had witnessed it all again. In 1991, hawkers sold t-shirts and other memorabilia, and there were an estimated 150 people waiting for the train, according to the Charlotte Observer. 
there are occasional reports of railroad crossing arms dropping without cause. The ghost trip on the anniversary has become an annual tradition of sorts. A woman who did not want to be identified, but who was part of the group of onlookers, told CNN affiliate WCNC, We were there looking for what people say happened. You hear the train wreck or you hear people screaming, and we were just watching. Smith's mother said the family was too distraught to talk about the incident. Campbell said that most of the ghost hunters, who were all from out of town, have been interviewed. Many fled because they were trespassing on railroad property, he said. Campbell said that there were no patrols near the bridge on early Friday evening. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. I'd like to give a shout to the newest members of my Patreon. Nina, Sucker Free Becca, which is the greatest Patreon name I've just sucker free sucker free anything sucker free Fridays I know all about it sucker free Becca and Echo welcome to the Patreon thank you so much for joining your support literally means the world to me and like I said earlier if you're interested in joining the Patreon patreon.com slash haunted American history early releases ad free episodes a little bit of chit-chat, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And hopefully soon, the annual membership with the pre-order of the Zachary Bain novel. The full book, unabridged, the way it's meant, the way that story, in my opinion, is meant to be consumed. And uh, I'll be updating with chapter releases as they get completed up onto the Patreon as the story goes along. But once once I'm able to, to do that, and the only way I'm able to do that is with your guys' help and support. So thank you so much. Head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash one of the American history. Thank you to all, every one of my Patreons who are my Patreons, my patrons who are there already. Thank you guys. I love you guys. I love interacting with you guys. We have great conversations. Um, the, the chat feature is great, the messaging back and forth, Discord access, all of that. Oh, and another thing, this episode releases on Monday. If you've made it this long, you'll probably listen for a little bit longer. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the 21st, 21st, I will be on my pals, the hometown ghost stories. I will be guesting with those fellas. We will be talking about, um, I don't know if they announced it yet, I don't want to say but it's something I've talked about recently and something I know about. And if you've heard my last um, guest spot on there, I was dull as dishwater because I didn't really know too much about it. But this time I'm ready. I'm prepared. If I can only get over the, the allure of it being live and watching the people in the chat talk. But I'll do my best. So come, Hometown Ghost Stories, come and uh, check us out on there. I'll be posting the links on my socials. And uh, follow me on my socials. Thanks, folks. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.